You're listening to Men of Abundance, episode 240, with David Hauser. Today, we are going to optimize your life, body, and mind so that you can live a life of abundance and prosperity. Welcome to Men of Abundance, the podcast for those looking to level up their lives by hanging out with some of the greatest leaders and established professionals in our community, living a life of integrity, honor, and the abundance mentality. Prepare to pay it forward with your host, former army medic turned lifestyle entrepreneur, Wally Carmichael. What is going on, Men of Abundance? I am Wally Carmichael, your founder and host of the Men of Abundance podcast, the Pay It Forward community, where we are proving to you that you can, in fact, live a life of abundance in family, faith, finances, and fitness. And our conversation today, amongst other things, is going to get into optimizing your mind and your body. Stick around to the end because just like with every episode, I always leave you with action steps. I never want to leave you hanging with just some information. Information is potential power. It is not power until you put action to it and until you share that knowledge with somebody else. So as usual, I want to invite you to be abundant in your actions today by paying it forward and sharing men of abundance with everyone you come in contact with. And it's so easy to do. All you have to share is directly from your podcast player, however you're listening to this, or share menofabundance.com on your social media or wherever you hang out. So let me ask you, how many workout programs and diet programs have you tried in your life? I mean, not everybody needs to lose weight, but everybody needs to get healthy and stay healthy, right? Have any of the workout programs or diet programs you have done, have they worked for you? I'm sure a few of them have worked to a certain degree. But were you able and willing to stick with just one long enough to make a lasting enhancements in your health, energy, and your life? Well, David and I may give you some insight today on what is happening in your head as you go through these workout programs and these diet programs. Well, our featured guest today, David Hauser, has tried everything to create a healthy and optimal lifestyle for himself. Today, he's a top three Cora health writer yoga teacher, and successful entrepreneur that scaled his company, Grasshopper, to $30 million plus in annual revenue. In his own 10-year pursuit for better health, he's done Ironman, ran the Boston Marathon, gained, then lost 40-plus pounds, and tested all sorts of diets, including whole food, low-fat, vegan, paleo, keto, and many more. David is the author of Evolve, Optimize Your Life, Body, and Mind. In it, he shares the framework for optimization needed to control your own evolution. Men of Abundance, it is my pleasure to introduce you to David Hauser. David, welcome to Men of Abundance, brother. How are you doing? Great. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Where are you at in the world? Uh, so I'm in Las Vegas right now. I'm in the process of moving to Austin, Texas, but I've been in Vegas for eight years now. Oh, no kidding. What's the move all about? Um, just try, try something new for, for us and our family. And, um, I've always loved, uh, Texas and Austin. We had a, at an office there for five years and, um, I, I love barbecue too. So I guess that's a bonus. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Barbecue and music, man. That's what Austin is all about. And entrepreneurship. There are a lot of entrepreneurs there in the Austin area. Yeah, it's, it's a community that's really been built up, and um, I think a really vibrant community, too, of people doing interesting things, um, especially in the world that I've been in, software as a service, for most of my life. Yeah, absolutely. A couple of guys that I've, well, I've known, Mike Dillard, for quite some time. So before we get too much into our conversation, I'd like to ask the question, 
What are you grateful for? Because that's the way I start out every single morning. And as it stands right now, uh, November 1st at the time of this recording, I'm kind of doing a live every day of my attitude of gratitude, even though I've been doing it every single day for over three years. But what do you have to be grateful for today, David? Yeah, I'm really grateful today for for my health um, and an ability to you know ha- have a body that I can walk around in and feel good in. Uh, for a lot of years, I didn't have that, and um, you know, on days like this, I think to that, and I'm just grateful for for kind of that small thing that's that's in the back of our mind sometimes, but um, sometimes bringing it to the front helps. Yeah, absolutely. Sometimes we lose track of and we lose sight of. Uh, those little things. And and I say little, but it's because it's those things that we lose track of. But it's huge. It's absolutely huge. Um, One of the new shows that I've been getting into, and I don't get into too many TV shows, but this one just kind of pulled me in is is a TV show called I'm watching it on Hulu called Speechless. And it's about a young man who is confined to his wheelchair. Well, the family, that's just a really crazy family, many drivers in it. And um, I never remember his name, but that guy that, um, um, played on um, Big Bang Theory, the one that had the lisp. He plays the oh, dad. Yeah, yeah he's, it's hilarious. But it's really cool because you got this kid, and he's the only one that's actually kind of right in the whole family. <laughs> but he can't walk or talk at all, yeah. so he's got a guy that talks for him, and it's just hilarious. And when you said that, it just brought me right to that. It's like it's just so real to be grateful for something that seems so we take it for granted often. I think to me, it's a lot like breathing, right? Like we naturally just breathe, but when we start to think about our breathing um, and and do it consciously, it changes and it brings something very different, even though our body just naturally does it, right? Right. Um, And just the attention to it, I think helps. It does. It actually does. And guys, you know, you've heard me say this before is breathing on purpose because we do it so passively all the time. If you just sit and you do it when you exercise too, you're breathing much heavier, much deeper, but when you do it on purpose, and just take in the air and let out the air. It's so therapeutic, and I, it's something that I practice probably not every single morning, but I try to. Yeah, I mean, I think people forget, like, what really breathing is, right? Because we all walk around with our st- our stomachs kind of sucked in a little bit because we look a little thinner, right? Um, <laughs> but real breathing involves the, ex- the stomach expanding and, and air going fully into the lungs and expanding the chest, right? Um, and very rarely do we do that unless we think about it, right? Yeah, yeah, it really clears the mind. So, David, how would you describe yourself? <laughs> um, so if you'd asked me that a few years ago, um, my my identity was always wrapped up in being the guy that started Grasshopper and was running Grasshopper, which is a virtual phone system for entrepreneurs. And I loved doing it, but that was like my identity. I was known as that. I felt that. Like um, That all changed when I sold the company. Right. And it was a very difficult period of time to figure out, like, what was my identity? Like, what was important to me besides running a company? Right. Um, And of course, family is important and, you know, my kids and things like that. But like your identity is more than just family. Right. Um, So when I look at it today, um, I've really tried to define my core purpose and my core purpose of empowering others, um, and especially empowering others to succeed is really what defines me, I think. Um, And it's what kind of guides what things I work on now or don't work on uh, and the decisions I make. Do you feel that that's what defines you from this point on or do you feel that that may change like it did with your business at some point? 
I really think that it, uh, when I look back on it, I think that's why I loved what I did at Grasshopper. Um, and, you know, it was odd. Our, our core purpose at the company was empowering entrepreneurs to succeed, right? Which core purpose in a company comes from the founders. So it kind of makes sense mm-hmm. um, looking back on it. So I think that that's, you know, probably how I continue, but I, it will probably be refined over time. And uh, my hope is I get a little more um, kind of keyed into it and maybe refine it down. Um, so it's not as broad, right? Maybe it's a certain group of people. Maybe it's, you know, giving back. I'm, I'm not sure, but I think at the end of the day, it stays the same. Yeah, I, I totally get that. And, you know, as I mentioned in your bio, part of your journey was that you gained and lost 40 pounds. What did all that have to do with that? And what did you do that for? What was the purpose behind that? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think if I added it up, it's probably hundreds of pounds I've gained or lost. Um, uh, unfortunately, um, I struggled with my weight since since high school. Um, and in high school, I was always big. I played football. I was a lineman, right? So it kind of was okay. Um, but it, it, I, I was never thin, right? Um, and over the years, uh, I decided I wanted to be healthy and I followed conventional wisdom and I was told eat less, uh, exercise more, eat lean meat, um, you know, those types of things. I tried those and, and it didn't work. Um, I ran uh, Boston Marathon. I did a half Ironman. I lost some weight. I gained it all back. My knees hurt like nothing was working well. Um, but, you know, really my goal um, absent of weight, like that's one piece of it was to feel good, right? Like to wake up in the morning and feel energized and not tired. And at the end of the day, have enough energy to do the things I want, um, to be able to focus and be productive. And I think weight is a factor along a much with a bunch of other things that affect that and, and reduce our abilities to do things. Yeah, I completely agree with that. I really do. I was in the health and fitness industry, Uh, for quite some time. And I really got kind of disenchanted with it until I found my own way in that. And basically what you were just saying was I used to tell people all the time, forget about the damn scale, stay off the scale, because it's not truly a factor of how you're, you know, it's more about how you feel bottom line is and and you know everybody's always worried about the weight well you know if you're lifting weights and then you're eating this and eating that and losing fat and gaining muscle blah 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 you know all that kind of scientific stuff but the fact of the matter is is are you feeling good and i mean my goodness you've tried darn near every weight loss program or (laughs) diet program out there of all of those what do you feel and, and I, I ask this question, it's kind of tongue to cheek, because what worked best for you isn't going to work best for the next guy, <laughs> right? I know you know yeah. that, but what did you feel was the most value? Yeah, so I think there's two things I learned. One, obviously, you mentioned, right, um, which is it does, it, it's different for each person. I think there's some some key factors that work for most people. Um, one, that One of those is re- reducing or cutting out all refined sugar. Right. Um, That, I think, works across the board um, for lots of things, not just weight, but feeling good, reducing brain fog, um, you know, all all of those pieces that people complain about. um, That, to me, is kind of a base level. Um, Outside of that, there's all sorts of other things you can try. And I I did vegan for six months. I did. I've done everything you could imagine. Right. Um, For me, what's worked best is a near plant based diet. um, But towards the side of keto, right? So high fat, um, very low carb. Um, I still eat animal protein, um, especially eggs sometimes and things like that. Uh, However, if you look at my plate, it looks much more like a plant-based diet, right? Like 80% vegetable coverage on the plate and then some fat and a little bit of protein, right? Um, 
And that's worked best for me and how I feel, how I operate, how productive I am, um, all of the things that I track or care about, that's what's worked best for me. But it really comes down to finding the individual thing that works for you. Um, and, and I think the other factor then is variation too, right? I think people mm-hmm. forget this where – you know, I, I do vary it and um, I'll, I'll sometimes go back to a plant-based diet or I'll go a, a little bit higher protein or whatever it is. I think the rigid, always exactly the same, our bodies don't do well with that. Our bodies were built for variation and I think we need to account for that in our diet choices. The other factor to that is something that you will continue doing, something that can sustain. But again, with the variation, like I I tell people all the time for the longest time, I told people, look, I eat about 70% healthy and the rest, whatever I want in in moderation. And when I look back on like last night was Halloween. So I had, I'm a candy fiend. I love candy and I really do curb it because sugar, refined sugar, it tears up my joints. I mean, it is an inflammatory and I feel crappy today because I ate so much junk last night and it really wasn't that much, not as much as I used to. But the best time, the best I ever felt in my entire life was when I did, I think it was 22, 23 days of a straight vegan diet. 100, no animal protein, none of that stuff. And I felt ridiculously amazing. I just felt so good. I mean, it was hard at first, but then I'm I'm a meat eater. I like my meat, but I do it in moderation. Yeah. So what was interesting for me on a, on a vegan diet, like I did feel good, um, but I felt consistently hungry. Um, Mm -hmm. and I, I didn't like that feeling. Um, so I felt like I would eat far more than I needed because I was just hungry compared when I increased the fat, um, and still had a little bit of animal protein, I was a bit more satiate, satiated, so I didn't eat as much. Um, so total calories went down. And I, I don't count calories. I really don't like that. Um, but I think your point to sugar is really interesting, right? Like um, I, I used to eat a ton of sugar, right? Um, and when you're on that constant sugar drip, you don't even know what feeling good is, mm-hmm. right? Because each day you have a little bit of sugar and maybe not a little bit, a lot of sugar, right? Um, and until you cut it out, you don't realize or even see or feel the difference, right? Um, but it, it's, it's massive, right? Um, and people can argue about what diet's best. And honestly, I don't think we have a good answer for that. It's very individual, but it's very hard to argue that um, eating large amounts like we do uh, in the developed world of, of refined sugars is good. I, I think that argument just doesn't exist. Absolutely. And and the funny thing about that is, is it's all relevant to the individual because I would ask somebody I'm working with about their sugar intake and they're like, well, I drink, you know, two or three cans of soda a day and I eat this and, you know, all stuff that you know has sugar in it, right? But then I go, okay, so make a list of your meals that you eat over the next three days. And then we're going to come back and, re- and re-examine that, you know, your answer. And when you look back and you go, okay, this product, this product, this product, all of these have this amount of sugar in it. So you're eating five times more sugar than <laughs> you think you are, right? Because yeah. you don't realize that all of this stuff, it, it, damn near anything that it comes in a box has over, is oversaturated with salts and sugars. It's, a, it's amazing, right? Like w- when you try to cut it out, you start to realize it. And what's re- what really amazed me is things that you would never imagine, like spicy things have mm-hmm. sugar in them. Right. Like you can go get almonds that are spicy, like flavored. And there's sugar as like the number three or four ingredient. Um, Certain brands of hummus. Right. Like things that don't need sugar. 
they put it in to give you that additional boost of flavor because our palates are used to it. Um, and you just wouldn't even imagine that it should be there, but it is. Yeah, it's all, it, it's funny because it's almost like if you walk around telling everybody you're a leader, chances are you're not. It's the same thing with these boxes that hey, say healthy on them. If they say healthy on the box, chances are it's not. Yeah. <laughs> Because it's in a box to begin with. So I want to get into some of the stuff that, um, you know, about your business, because I mean, building bootstrapping the company to 30 million is very interesting to me. But before we get into that, I want to ask you the question to ask everybody, because everybody goes through a kick in the gut moment, uh, regardless of who you are, what you do and where you're at in your life. And if you haven't, you're young and just just know that you will. And I want you to be resilient in that when it does happen. Uh, part of the reason why I asked this question. So if you would share with us one of those kick in the gut moments to really make us feel that. Yeah, uh, I, I've had I've had lots of them. <laughs> um, and I think, like you said, it's what makes us stronger. We learn from them. Um, I, I'd say the two that kind of stand out. Um, one, you know, as we're bootstrapping a company from zero to 30 million, there's lots of things that happen, right? We made mistakes. We overhired. We hired the wrong people. We made the wrong choices. We put marketing dollars in the wrong place. Um, but when you get down to having zero dollars to meet payroll and trying to figure out how to do it, um, that's one of those times you're like, oh my God, did I make the right choice of running a business and putting my whole life on the line for it? Right. Um, and that always sticks out to me when you have to make that decision and say, okay, I'm going to take the last uh, possible thing I have anywhere just to try to make the payroll for this week. Right. And, and then recover from it. Um, I think that's one. Um, the other I think is much more kind of uh, retrospective in that, um, you know, we had success in, in the company, right. And, and it feels great. And we did, we made mistakes and we, uh, had more luck than bad luck. Uh, and we did well, but because of that as, as an entrepreneur, I found, I said, okay, I'm going to start other things. Right. And, and it is a hard realization when those other things don't go as well, because you just think like, wow, I'm good at quote unquote entrepreneurship. It's my identity. It's who I am and you fail at the other things, it's a really hard lesson, right? That you, part, part of being an entrepreneur is timing and luck and things you can't control um, outside of operational things and stuff you can control. Um, and, and that was a really hard reminder that happened more than I'd like to, to, to think about. Yeah, absolutely. What are some of those things that you tried outside of entrepreneurship, if you don't mind sharing, uh, yeah. that you found you weren't as good at and you just couldn't succeed as you did with entrepreneurship? Yeah, I think it was even just starting other companies, right? So we, we started a company uh, called Spreadable. We lost over a million dollars. We made all the wrong choices. We built the team too fast. We did like everything was wrong, right? Um, and that was a that was a hard, hard lesson from a dollar perspective, a time perspective, um, and a kind of reminder of, you know, you're, you're not all that special perspective, right? Um, and and that, as an entrepreneur, that's hard. Um, and I'd say outside of that, the, the, the biggest reminder I get of this all the time is my kids, right? Like, um, I, I, I want to raise kids that I, I, I love and I enjoy being around and um, uh, for those that read Jordan Peterson's book, you know, one of his rules is, you know, don't let your kids do anything that makes you dislike them or hate them. Um, but it, it is hard raising kids. Um, and I get that reminder every day. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I feel it too. Fortunately, my boys have, have 
you know, I like them. I've I've talked to men that say, you know, they're my kids. But honestly, if I met the guy at a at the library or at the bar or, or at the game, I wouldn't I wouldn't hang out with him. It's just not he's not my type of person. But my boys definitely are, and I'm very fortunate to have that because they're their own personality. They're going to do what the hell they want to do, right? Yeah. 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 So you know, one of the things that you was just talking about in the beginning of answering that question was that when you're talking about your your business and having a hard time paying making payroll, I want to bring that back to down to a personal level to somebody who can't fathom, you know, having a thirty million dollar problem, uh, for that matter. And it's it, it's this, and this is what I was kind of thinking about. And let me know if I'm completely off track on this, but. If you're the type of person that you're concerned about making your phone bill, paying for your phone, your, your, your phone bill for your family, it's not like back in the day when we had Grand Bell and you just had one phone, um, but you're trying to pay your phone bill and you're trying to figure out how the heck you're going to do it. You figure out how to do it like the day before you have, you know, the bills, the, the extended, you know, the five day grace yeah. period or something like that. You figure it out aside of raiding your mom's jewelry box and pawning it down the street. You know, you figure out an ethical way to come up with the money. And what I tell what I'm telling you guys in that, in that instance is if you were to take that same energy and apply that for about two to three months, six months, goodness gracious, the, the amount of um, freedom that you would give to yourself in revenue in cash and money in the bank uh, is just tremendous. What are your thoughts on that, David? Yeah, I agree. I think it, uh, it is amazing when people need to get something done. Um, they are very creative, um, intelligent, right? And people that don't think of them themselves with those adjectives, right? Um, and if they're put under the gun, they figure it out, right? Um, no matter what the instance is. Uh, but I think to your point, they don't continue doing that after the thing has been solved, right? They wait for the next thing to happen um, rather than applying that to proactively build something, do something, um, be, get yourself out of that position the next time, right? Um, I think people just underestimate how smart or creative they are in those instances and are, aren't, are not applying it properly elsewhere. Yeah, and there's a lot of things that are being applied here. One is a timeline. So you have to apply timelines to yourself. But so many people apply timelines to themselves. They may call it a goal or whatever. They put it on the calendar, but there's no sense of urgency behind it. There's no sense of loss behind it. You're not going to lose your cell phone type of you know thing. You're not going to let that happen So or lose your service. So the timeline is one thing, but then you need something that's going to hold you accountable. That may be a person or that may be the fact that I don't want to let somebody down. I don't want to let one, one of my kids down type of thing. It has to be something that you feel that is going to make you get out of bed or get off the, you know, turn off the TV and go do what you have to do to get stuff done. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the, the key is um, first finding those things that push you and then ultimately getting to the point where you can push yourself um, and what gets you out of bed is the enjoyment of doing the next thing, right? Like that's the step after. Right. Um, and first find the things and it could be small, it could be big, whatever. Um, but whatever it is, find it to get you moving and doing something. Like I always tell people this, like what's the one piece of advice I would give? Like just do something, right? Like rather than talking about the idea, rather than just like having caught, like do anything towards it, right? Like I don't care what it is as long as it is something moving in that direction. Right. And then, you know, at some point it becomes a habit. And then at another point, it just becomes who you are. And that is just the journey and the evolution of life and of success. And speaking of evolution, 
I want to talk about this book that you have coming out, Evolve. Yeah, so super excited about this. Um, I, a, I'm, I am not a, an author by trade, so um, it's been very challenging and a growth opportunity to learn something new. Um, so, uh, But also really to share um, the ridiculous amount of time, money, and effort I put into you know my own personal testing journey and experimentation to find what works best for me across a lot of categories. Um, and, you know, people always ask me, like, when I talk about the book, like, do you recommend I do what you did? And I'm like, no, um, I, I, my, my personality is obsessive and to an extreme, right. Um, going from not running to running Boston marathon in a four month period, that's not good. It's not healthy. And most people don't have the time to do that. Right. I had that luxury at the time. Um, but the book is really about, um, optimizing your life, body, and mind, uh, finding the different categories that matter, and developing an optimization or a testing mindset or experimentation mindset where you know we use ourselves and our bodies and our minds to test the things that might work to make improvements. Um, and then we make lots of little improvements to evolve faster than evolution, right? Um, we could wait you know, a few hundred or a few thousand years for our bodies to catch up, or we can make smart choices now to, to get ahead. That's really cool. I, I just love that. And how fun is it to experiment like that with your with your mind, your body, and just really kind of run through all this stuff and see what works for you. So give us an example of something in, let's say, in mind. Sure. Involved in your mind. Yeah. So uh, I spent a lot of time in this space, uh, mindfulness, yoga, meditation. Um, I, I did a 200-hour teacher training. Uh, I spent a lot of time uh, doing meditation. Uh, and, you know, I, I think in that journey, I found lots of things that worked for me. Um, I, I found, you know, what works for a lot of people, right, which I think we talked about at the beginning is just mindful breathing, right? Like um, what was magical across this whole journey, right? Thousands of hours of time and, you know, thought put in into this is like the highest impact was literally just breathing for five minutes in the morning, right? And it, it's crazy the effects that that has um, for so little effort, right? And um, that's one of the filters I use, which is, um, you know, I, I want the, the highest return for the least effort. It doesn't mean it's that it's easy. It, a lot of it's hard work, but I, I want the least effort for the highest return um, every time. So that's how I filter things. Um, and then for what's worked for me specifically, um, and I found in my journey is I personally love, um, a very specific type of yoga that involves, uh, breathing. It, it is much more active. So I get some physical activity from it compared to more, you know, stretching, uh, and holding poses. Uh, and it also, uh, exercises the brain because this type of yoga, the way it's practiced, you have to remember a sequence of things that changes over time, um, or changes within each class, depending on who's teaching it, whatever. Um, so to me, like that was a great find that I discovered. And now I practice six days a week because I get all of those components. I get breathing. I get getting out of my own mind and stopping my monkey brain from working. So kind of a meditation feeling, um, without having to sit quietly necessarily. Um, all of those things in a 60 to 75 minute period. So that that's been great for me personally. Yeah, I dig that. Yoga is challenging for me both physically and mentally. I have some bad joints and stuff like that. But ultimately, um, it's some of the best exercise, if you call it, yeah, I mean, some of the best activity that 
I've done. I mean, I'm I'm the, I'm an insanity type of guy. I like to, you know, the the high intensity yeah. type of workouts, the hard drenching sweat, the the muscle failure and all that kind of stuff. So to slow down and to hold a pose and the mental anguish that it causes me, but it does put me into a different place. And afterwards, after a couple of weeks of it, I'm just like, wow, that is truly amazing. So I do slow down and I do some yoga. Um, I, like we were talking about earlier, variety. I add the variety in there in my exercises as well. And, and finding what you like, right? Like the yoga that I practice is not slow. It's loud music. It's push-ups. It's high heart rate. Um, it's crunches and sit-ups. Like, you know, that – it is a very different type of yoga, um, but it still integrates the idea of slowing the mind down, right? So you don't have to slow your body down to slow your mind down. Um, and for me, I really enjoyed that. Like I identified with it. It, it was fun. It was interesting. Um, so I added it to my routine. And now like I go every almost every day. I take one, one day off a week, right, as part of my routine. You see, just another reason why I love having these amazing conversations because I just learned something. That does not – makes sense to me so what kind of yoga is this yeah so it's it's a vinyasa style yoga it's in a okay. heated room so not as hot as uh um bikram yoga but you know but between 95 around 95 degrees uh, mm -hmm. the room um and it's called life power um it, it's it came from detroit um johnny kest was the the kind of creator of it um it's available at uh, all lifetime gyms um in different styles and, and a bunch of other places uh, but very active. There's a, there's a few other brands that do something similar. So um, Core Power is one. And then um, in L.A., there's a, a few places that do it like Sweat. Um, but I mean, the idea is it's kind of based in an old tradition of Ashtanga yoga updated for today. So loud music, fast movement, um, doing Sun A and Sun B, which people that practice yoga would understand. Mm -hmm. um, and then Sun C, which is a sequence that the teacher will teach and then kind of step out so you can flow on your own. So that, that brings in the memory component, right? Um, and what was most interesting for me in my journey was during that period is when my mind was most free, right? Because I was just paying attention to my breath in and out because each movement is based on one breath. Um, I was paying attention to the next movement only, not the previous one, not the next three ones, right? Um, so, I, you know, exercising the mind um, and memory, uh, but doing it from feeling, right? So being in the present moment. And for me, that was, it was much easier to do that than it was to sit for half an hour and try to feel the same things. Wow. Yeah, that's impressive. Now, I have heard of hot yoga, but it, to me, it was just the way it was envisioned in my mind anyway. I guess it, maybe it wasn't explained properly, but you're just in a hot room doing yoga. <laughs> <laughs> so so that takes a whole different perspective. So I'm definitely going to be checking that out. That sounds pretty interesting because, again, I like changing changing up my routine quite often. Yeah. Uh, so that, thanks for that. I appreciate that, man. So, man, you know, we're going to get into the kick in the gut, uh, not the kick in the gut. We're going to get into our um, pay it forward uh, part of the show where we're going to pay it forward. Basically, uh, I'll ask you a series of questions and we'll pay it forward to our abundant leaders. Ready to do that? Yeah, absolutely. Hey, business owners, check this out. If you've been in business for about three to five years, somewhere in that range, give or take a few, and you're currently doing some sort of advertising, whether it's on Facebook, in the newspaper, 
cable TV, radio, billboards, or even in the yellow pages. Yes, I have the yellow pages right here. People still do advertise in yellow pages. And I'm here to tell you, I see these advertisements all the time and they're throwing money away. You may be throwing money away in those ads. Guys, I don't know if you know this or not, but on top of me being the most awesome podcast host of this amazing Men of Abundance podcast, I'm also a very skilled and brilliant business and life strategist. I have an e-learning system with literally millions of dollars of marketing and strategies already done for you. You just have to model those. I am partnered with over 100 business coaches that are experts in many different industries. That makes me very confident that I can help you in your business, regardless of what industry you're in. I can help you not only generate more leads, but actually convert those leads into paying customers and repeat customers. I can show you business strategies that will increase your revenue and your profits in a matter of months. But all that aside, I need your help. I'm in the process of writing another edition of my current book. My current book is No BS Business Breakthrough, How to Double Your Lead Conversions and Triple Your Revenue in Less Than 45 Minutes. And in that book, I have the top eight strategies of over 100 strategies that I use throughout the course of the year. But those top eight strategies are the ones that I find I use with most business models right up front. And what I need is a couple more case studies from industries that I have not currently worked with in various areas of the United States. So here's what I want to do. I would like to do a 45-minute business breakthrough session with you going over my process using some of your input from your industry, from your business, so that I can measure that up and see how my strategies would impact businesses in your industry. And instead of charging you my normal fee for doing this business audit and this business breakthrough session, what I would like to do is use your data with your permission in my next book and any articles that I may write leading up to the book. I can add your feedback with your name, your business name, or anonymously. It's totally up to you. But the mention in the book or the article would certainly give you some free publicity. And in return for your time and professional feedback, you will certainly walk away from this business breakthrough session with strategies that you can implement that day. And on top of that, I will give you 30 days access to my e-learning platform where you will have access to the first four videos of the 52-week series complete with workbooks as well as the first four weeks of the e-class done for you marketing email campaigns I'm telling you guys the first 30 days in the e-learning system will definitely increase your revenue and profits within your business as long as you implement just one of the strategies that I'm going to share with you within the 45-minute business breakthrough session or even just one of the strategies that's inside the e-learning platform. So if you're willing to help me out with your professional feedback on how my systems will impact businesses in your industry, then go to menofabundance.com forward slash help Wally, W-A-L-L-Y. Menofabundance.com forward slash help Wally is where you can schedule your 45-minute business breakthrough session with me and as soon as that session is done, you'll be able to implement the strategies we talk about. And I'll give you instant access, 30-day access, no credit card needed, nothing like that, to the e-learning platform. I look forward to talking with you, and I look forward to impacting your business somehow. Now, let's get back to the conversation. Outstanding. So share with Men of Abundance one to three actionable steps that they can take today. 
Yeah, absolutely. So the, the first one I discussed a little bit, right, which is um, doing something, right? Doing something towards the goal, whatever that goal is. Um, it could be the smallest thing, the biggest thing, um, but just not kind of talking and thinking about. I think people get stuck in that uh, that stage, right? Um, uh, two, uh, driving towards a goal, right? So um, making sure you have specifically set a goal um, that is attainable. And I think this is the pe- this mistake that people make. Um, they set goals far too big and far too out. Um, so then they fail at it, right? And after a few failures, you quickly um, uh, kind of give up, right? I would much prefer to start with a few really small attainable goals and build a kind of culture or, or, you know, feeling of success, right? Like, okay, I've done one, two, three, four, five, six. And when I get to 10, it's just normal that I start meeting my goals, right? Compared to the opposite. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I agree with that. I want to jump in real quick on that one because yeah. too many people, Many people have never really achieved a goal per se. I mean, they've done stuff in their life, high school, maybe or something like that. But so they're not in the habit of achieving goals. And I love that whole idea of, you know, achieving small wins, small wins, small wins, small wins. And after a while, it just starts becoming more of a habit. Yeah, I think habit is super important, right? Like we can have good habits and we can have bad ones. And the more good ones we can develop, the better. Um, And I think that, like you said, we don't always to those goals. And even if we did set a goal and we didn't meet it, that starts building bad habit. Right. Um, so I, I try to reverse that. Um, I think the, so the third one, um, to me is, is kind of similar to habit, which is routine, right? Um, if you don't have a routine and you stick to it, I think it is very hard to achieve great success. Um, because in my mind, routine frees us, right? And it could be very simple, right? It doesn't have to be complex. It could mean every morning I get up and do these three things. Um, for me, I get up, I go to yoga, I get ready at the gym, I shower at the gym, I go to the office, um, I structure my day in a very similar fashion each day. I only start meetings after a certain time. You know, I, I try to stick to that routine. Um, my clothes are quite simple, like jeans and T-shirt, right? It's part of the routine where I'm not putting additional thought into things that don't matter, right? Um, and so, for example, today, you know, we're recording this earlier in the morning. Um, so I, I went to the gym even though I didn't work out because I didn't want to break my routine, right? Um, I kept that going. And just timing wise, I, I didn't have time to work out at that point. So I'll do it later in the day. But I tried to stay on the same routine. That's one of the things that I've gotten from all of the high performers that I've had an opportunity to talk to, and even follow like, um, I think it was Steve Jobs used to wear the same black shirt yeah. all the time. I mean, people that are very, very high performers, they don't want too much other stuff going on in their life that they that takes them off track of what they what their goals are and what their mission is not necessarily a goal but a mission and it's that routine that's really important and you've talked quite a bit we've been talking about habits and you talked about yoga and exercise and some other stuff but what are some other habits that really make the biggest impact in your life yeah um so i think one uh for sure is like my my kind of calendaring right um so I try to stick to a very rigid calendar and schedule. If it's not on my calendar, it doesn't get done. Um, so I, I've built that habit over years. Um, I also start my start calls and meetings later in the day, so I have productive time in the morning um, to to be able to work on things. Um, so that, that's one. Um, uh, food, I think, is a, is an additional habit. Um, again, very much like other things, I try to reduce the decision points of it, right? Um, so I'll prep food at the beginning of the week for all my lunches, 
right? Um, because lunches are less social than dinners. Um, and all I have to do is take the thing out of the fridge, um, warm it up in my steam oven. I, I don't like microwaves, um, whole separate topic. But, um, you know, but again, it, it's, it's a it's a decision point that doesn't happen and it's not wasted time. I'm not going out to deal with getting lunch. I'm consuming it in a mindful way at the time and schedule I want. Right. Um, I, I think there's a lot of examples of habits like that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Very, very specific. And I like that. Um, like with the the times that you schedule your calls and all that kind of stuff. It's very productive to be able to do something like that kind of like time blocking some of the things that you do. Yeah. I, like yeah, that. I think, I, I think too, also when you start to do that, you then block out time for things you not necessarily would do otherwise, right? Like I'll, I'll put on my calendar, like listen to audiobook for an hour, right? Like if I block it out on my calendar, a, I know it gets done. Um, and I don't have any other distractions. Uh, but if I wasn't kind of as rigid with some of those things, it would just get pushed off, right? It would just not be a priority and it would just wouldn't happen. <laughs> if it's not on my calendar, uh, chances are it's not going to happen. I have even my family stuff that I'm going to do on the calendar. I leave white space on the calendar too for specific reasons. Because yeah. once yeah. in a while I'll get a call from somebody that I've, I'm like, oh yeah, I'd like to have this conversation. So I have that space there to ma- make that happen. Yeah, part, part part of the freedom of of scheduling things rigidly is the freedom to do that. Right? It's, it sounds weird, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but when you schedule rigidly, you have much more freedom. Yeah, absolutely. So, what based on what we're talking about here today, what would you recommend to our abundant leaders to read or listen to, and why? Ah, that's a great question. So, um, I, I've really so I'll, I'll kind of speak to what I've enjoyed most recently because um, I, I try to listen to or, or read a lot of books. And me personally, um, I listen to all my books instead of reading them. Mm-hmm. Um, I find it much more easy to consume the information, um, and I can do it at times like driving somewhere uh, on a long drive where I wouldn't be able to necessarily use that time as effectively if I was reading a book. Um, so most recently, um, I really enjoyed um, uh, um, Germs, Guns, and Steel. Um, re- really interesting book about uh, kind of human history and you know how certain peoples overtook others uh, over time. Um, I-, I find history very interesting, and especially as it relates to you know questions of you know um, environment and food and and such. So I thought that was really interesting. Um, I I thoroughly enjoyed um, Jordan Peterson's 12 Rules for Life book. Uh, I think people have talked about it quite a bit this year, and uh, some people love him, some people hate him. Um, and I think the my, my point to people when they ask about it is less, forget about him, right? Like, I understand he can be very de- divisive, um, but the, the book that was written is, is very, very good. Um, I wish personally it had a little less uh, religious content. I'm I'm not religious, and I think it was hard to identify with that. But the 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 thought provoking ideas in the book I thought were very interesting, um, and, and one that I would highly recommend. Um, the the third one, um, probably not as recent, but uh, really loved uh, is Sapiens. Um, I, I've read all of um, Yuval's books, um, a, a, including the most recent one, and, and Sapiens is is just awesome. Um, again, kind of human history, but this with a little more editorial commentary uh, and and his personal kind of view as a as a expert in this space. Um, really enjoyed that. Well, wow, that's a hell of a list of books, and I honestly I hadn't heard of any of those books, uh, so. 
I'm definitely going to put add those to my long list and prioritize the ones I want to listen to. The first <laughs> one that you mentioned, I was really intrigued with germs, guns, and steel. Um, yeah. is, it sounds kind of like it's on a sociology spectrum. Yeah, it's it's. I mean, sort of. Um, it, it is. Um, I guess I'm trying to think of the best description, right? I mean, it definitely has that uh, that bent to it. Um, but it's it's really kind of based in history and looking at um, how uh, the different factors outside of who the the culture was um, affected things, right? Mm-hmm. And um, the kind of theory that most of it was based on these things, guns, germs, and steel. Um, but a lot was also based on where food production started and the crops that certain societies had, right? And when they moved, you know, uh, either uh, north or south compared to east or west, you know, those types of things. So I thought it was it was very interesting. Um, and, you know, you mentioned your book list. Uh, with I, I struggled with this for a long time. Um, like, a, how do I find books and how do I filter books, right? Mm-hmm. Um, two, two problems. So uh, what, I, what I built is, and I, I'm going to put this up on the website for people uh, who want it, is this Google Sheet that um, takes all of the top book recommendations, like, you know, the best list, right? If it's Oprah, if it's, you know, whoever, right? Um, and we've distilled some of these down. Like Bill Gates has a great book recommendation list. Um, Derek Sivers, a, a bunch of people. Um, and I wanted to find which ones are duplicated across multiple lists, right, as a filter. Uh, so people that read lots of books, over some period of time, there's overlap, right, even if they have different interests. Right. Um, and that's where I found a lot of these really interesting books. Oh, that is, yeah, very cool. Uh, if you would provide that link to me, and, and I'll make sure we get that put up in the show notes, because that is very interesting, because for me, I mean, I've got books here. Doing what I do as a podcast host and having a conversation with all these people, I get so many books sent to me because they either want me to read my book ahead of before the conversation. <laughs> probably not going to happen, especially if it's something that's totally outside of my wheelhouse. It's not in my focus right now today because that's my thing is when I'm recommending a book, one, I need to know where you're at in life and where you want to go. Those are the first two things I need to know. So I can recommend a book that maybe I can recommend a book. I don't know, uh, depending on where you're at and where you want to go. But for me, I read books and I, like you said, I listen to more books than I read, many more, uh, because of the whole nature of listening to the book. Same thing you said. But I have to be reading a book that's somewhere in the range of where I want to go or where I'm, something I'm struggling with today. And I'm not a fiction uh but uh, a nonfiction reader, I always get those mixed up because I'm dyslexic or something. But uh, I like, you know, business books. I like, you know, stuff like that. But regardless of what it is, if it's about building websites or something, it has to be where I'm at and where I want to go. Yeah. yeah, I think that's a good point. Um, yeah, and I, I don't read a lot of fiction books, but um, more recently, I started to think about uh, going back to some of the classics, right? Um, like uh, 1984, Alice in Wonderland, like things like that, um, and and rereading them. Of course, like I read them in high school, but I wasn't paying attention. I, I mean, in all honesty, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I've started to think about adding some of those to my list um, to you know broaden what I'm reading. Um, but again, I want to filter it on uh, kind of this idea that other people read far more than I do. Um, and if I can filter across multiple people that f- read far more than I do, I can get the overlap. 
And that's what it, that's what interests me, right? Yeah. Like multiple people that are far more intelligent and read more than me say that this kind of overlaps, then maybe I can gain something from it, it, it rather than having to read as much as they do, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's all, you know, nothing wrong with taking those type of uh, logical shortcuts and uh, yeah. finding what you want to get to. Absolutely. So what do you feel holds most people back from living a life of true abundance? So I think that the really... It sounds simple, but the the truest thing is believing that they should, um, right? I think the the two things that we um, that hold us back the most is the fear of losing what we have um, and the fear of not getting what we want, right? Um, so just believing that you do deserve and you do want these things and you can get them, and being okay with the possible risk of losing the comfort of something else, right? Like that we like that our, you know, it's easy going to a job every day, or it's easy being in this relationship, or whatever it is that provides some sort of comfort and um, understanding that we may lose or change some of those things over time, um, I think opens us up to uh, uh, achieving way more than we would otherwise. Yeah, you know, a scarcity mindset on the path to abundance just is not going to work. You're sitting in the mud. Yeah. Yeah, basically, absolutely. So what does living a life of abundance mean to you? It's, it's, a, it's a really good question, and, and I've thought about this a lot over time, and um, I think I, I kind of shifted my focus a little bit. Initially, I thought um, living a life of abundance meant kind of freedom, right, and freedom across a, a, a bunch of categories, freedom of time, freedom of money, uh, freedom uh, of those things. To me, I've started to move much more towards happiness and joy, um, where understanding that I can't control freedom right? Um, it, it, it's something that, that is much harder to control. I can control my reactions to things and how I feel about things, um, which is much more directly related to happiness um, for me, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so stepping back and saying, you know what, like I might not be able to control if I'm in this situation or the people I'm around all the time, like I try to control those things, but I can control my reactions, um, which in a funny way kind of leads to freedom. But to me, it's much more about happiness and joy. Um, and, and and I think all of this, in my mind, which is the interesting paradox, is based on an underlying freedom of, of finances. And it doesn't mean a lot of money, right? I, I, people, and there's been a bunch of studies about this, like it's, re, it's actually a relatively small amount of money to create that, that idea of freedom. But it's the idea that I'm not every day worried about um, what I'm doing from a financial perspective. Um, I still have worries, right? But every day it's not there. And that small amount of freedom, I think, uh, is the base of allowing us to take the next step. Man, that is 100% spot on with my personal experience. And one of the things that I've often found when, um, when I was on active duty in the Army, I was a first sergeant, and we would have soldiers come to us, me and the commander, and they would ask for an Army Emergency Relief Loan, an AER loan, so that they could pay the bills, keep the lights on type of stuff. And you could get an AER loan for those necessities in life, right? And one of the things we'd have them do is sit down with a uh, somebody who was trained as a finance advisor within the organization and go over their expenses. And many of the times, it was all self-imposed. So it was like as soon as you stop spending all this money at GameStop or at, at back at the at the time, you know, Blockbuster or all these other things that you don't need, you're just spending all this money at. And oh, by the way, paying late fees and this, that and the other, you'll have enough money 
to keep the lights on. A lot of these hardships and finances is self-imposed. And as soon as you make correction on that, then hell, you're living pretty damn good and you, you're, you have that freedom you're talking about. It's amazing though how few people sit down and look at what they're spending, right? Forget about like budgeting and like that's a, an additional topic that I think takes a little bit of education. But like, you know, you ask someone like, you know, where like where's your money go? Like, you know, we can easily figure out how much money you get each week or each month or each year, right? Um, that's easy to look at, right? Um, but like, where does it go, right? And very few people um, can answer that question. And I'm, I'm on the extreme of like I over I. I budget too much probably, right? Like I'm pretty extreme in that fashion, I guess like a lot of other pieces. But, um, you know, if you can't tell me, you know, where those things are going, uh, and then we start to look and sit down, like you said, at a budget and you're spending, you know, $200 a month on television. Um, I, those are questions like, is that really leading to a success and B joy? Right. Um, probably not. It's kind of, dead time that you're wasting doing nothing right and you're paying to do it so like right there just cut out the television <laughs> like mm -hmm. that's easy right um yeah. you get multiple benefits from it but most people don't think or even kind of consider what they're spending where well absolutely not especially today 10 12 years ago we didn't have a, a cell phone bill the cable bill was much less than it is today these days. I don't even have cable. We just have internet because then we, you know, but then of course we subscribe to Netflix and Hulu and all this other stuff that adds up really quick. Now I, I'm in a place where I can afford that stuff. But if I was 10 years, if I was me 10 years ago, that would be causing strife in my family. That would be causing me to have sleepless nights because I'm trying to figure out how to put food on the table, but I'm paying my Netflix and my Hulu and my, my phone bill and my cable and all these other expenses that didn't even exist back then, quite frankly. Right. Yeah. Very interesting. So brother, we're going to close this up. It's been an amazing conversation. What do we not talk about that you want to ensure our abundant leaders get out of our conversation today? Yeah, I think this was a really great conversation. Um, there's nothing really on the top of my head, but um, I always like to leave with kind of a few quick tips. And one of the ones on my mind right now is sleep. Um, and people always ask like, you know, I want to get better sleep or I want more sleep. And, um, the, the, the easiest kind of tips and tricks that I, I found useful for me here, um, sorry, um, is, um, one, go to sleep between nine and 10 PM. Um, like that, that is uh, super easy to do. So as close to sunset as possible, don't eat within three hours of going to bed um, and wake up naturally roughly when the sun rises, so around 6 a.m., right? Um, if you follow those steps, um, you will get far better sleep um, than, than you've ever had um, just by doing those three simple things. Wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. Thank you. I appreciate those tips. can't say I, uh, I can follow each and every one of them, although I do go to bed at about the right time, but since I got to get my little guy to school, I got to get up a little bit earlier. Otherwise, during the summer, I got to tell you, man, I was really loving waking up when my body felt like it, which is naturally for me about 530 anyway, but that's just yeah. me. Um, that's my thing. But anyhow, man, great conversation. I really dig this. Thanks for all your wisdom. Man, just keep living your life of abundance and keep paying it forward because you are absolutely making a huge difference, man. I appreciate it. Appreciate you having me. All right, guys. So your action steps for the day are to take inventory of your health, your life, and your mindset. 
Now, taking inventory really just means to look back on, reflect back on, and take a close look at what's working for you and what you need to get rid of in your life. Rather, it's the foods that you're eating, or you need to stop the sedentary lifestyle, sitting at the desk all day, driving home all day. You're just sitting most of the day. I have a stand-up desk. Most of the day, actually, I wouldn't say most of the day, but about half and half. It depends on the day and how I'm feeling. I will be standing definitely through every one of these conversations that I'm having with most people. I'm on my feet just because I literally think better on my feet. And I can do some leg lifts and I can move around a little bit and I'm not just sitting. I've heard this uh, saying that sitting is the new smoking. It's just not good for us because we do it most of the day. So get up and move around. Take inventory of what's going into your body as far as food, nutrition. Take inventory of what's going into your mind as far as what music you're listening to, the conversations that you're having all day, and then put some more nutritious energy and information into your mind in the form of a podcast like Men of Abundance or a podcast that reaches you based on where you're at today, an audio book, other courses that you can listen to on your commute, in your car, back and forth, walking around the house, doing the lawn, whatever it is that you do consistently be putting new information and challenging information into your mind. So to recap your action steps for the day, take inventory of what's going in your mouth, what's, what are you doing for your body, and what's going into your mind, and then adjust accordingly. Now go out and live your life of abundance, and guys, make sure to pay it forward. That's all for today, Abundance Leaders. For more about our guests and the powerful information we shared with you today, be sure to sign up for our mailing list at menofabundance.com. We appreciate your time and look forward to hanging out with you on our next episode. So until then, be sure to pay it forward and live your life of abundance.